This is Priestess Shoshana. We're doing our series. Welcome to all of our listeners. We've had such a great response from all the people who have been listening to our interviews on women, art, and money. I'm excited today because we're blessed to be here with Lita of Metamorphosis. She is an accomplished businesswoman who has been running her business for many years. Today, she's going to share with us some of her personal experience in what it's been like to become successful in her field of work. Lita, could you introduce yourself today? Uh, good morning. I'm Lita, <laughs> and uh, I'm I don't know, a 14-year tattoo artist, owner of Metamorphosis, Inc., um, with a host of things behind me that I've accomplished over the years. And uh, I currently work specifically with scar recovery, women with breast cancer, mental health awareness, um, and just really getting back to the world, changing lives, one drop of ink at a time. Absolutely. And one of the things that made me want to interview you was a couple of um, focal points that you have in, in the industry, which is, um, I would love to hear how, how you came to do the, the type of tattooing that you do with women. And if you could describe for us also what kind of mental health stuff do you do because that's really fascinating um i got started initially um, with breast cancer and uh, women with mastectomy scars about four years into my career by a woman named alice and she was 68 years old she mm -hmm. was horrifically scarred um, beyond the point of reconstruction and she came into my studio crying she had gotten a younger boyfriend who talked her into this idea that maybe she could get some tattoos to cover it up and make her feel better about herself. She, some of the things that she pinpointed on was she cried every day when she got out of the shower and she had to look at herself. Um, her boyfriend that she had been dating for two and a half years had never seen her with her shirt off. And everything that she bought clothing wise, she would buy up to the neckline um, so nobody would see the, the damage below. And I, when, I, when I saw her scars, I was horrified. I had absolutely no idea that there were women walking around without boobs. Um, but prior to that, you know, for many, many years, people had beat it into me, be you, be different, you know, get into art, do something different, stand out in the crowd. And as an artist in a sea of artists, it's very difficult to kind of figure out how to be able to do that. So when Alice came in, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do but we're gonna do something and I'm gonna make you feel beautiful again. And I started working with her in monthly intervals and she came back about six months in and uh, unannounced. And uh, she said, I stopped by to tell you something. And she said, I, I bought me a top that was a little bit lower cut and a woman commented on my flower. And I saw in that very moment, the transformation that began to take place in her through what I was doing with my artwork. And uh, the next time I saw her unannounced, she come to tell me that she had had sex for the shirt off for the first time in over 12 years. And then the third time I saw her, she came in to tell me that she had accepting a modeling position for prosthetic bras where she would be on stage. And every time I spoke to that woman, I cried. I still cry today when I, when I talk about it. But from meeting her, I knew in that moment that that's exactly why I was put in this industry and it became a quest of mine that I have chased down ever since to see who else was out there that I could change their life. And, and when you started to, to look at who else was out there where you could change their life, can you tell us like some of the surprise, like what you found? 
Um, yeah, I found hurdles and difficulty. <laughs> yeah. I, found. I thought it would just be so easy to run out here, like, look what I did. And it actually took me years and years of beating down the doors of gaining trust of doctors who don't want to trust a sketchy tattoo artist out here in the world to most of the people in the world. We're still a alley business, you know, we're a shady business and probably the artists are not trustworthy. You come with a slew of charges, whatever, but you know, there are, it is making in the last 10 years, it has come to become a prominent thing of society where everyone is getting them and it's becoming more and more accepted. Um, I forgot where I was going with that now, but. Uh, um, and that's fine I mean, because the, the, the purpose of this interview is to, is to just be real and to not be, you know, for us not to have a script, right? Because what, what we're reaching for is all the different types of women that are CEOs and business owners that have a vision, that have a dream like you do and did and have accomplished that might be in a space where they are kind of questioning if they can continue, especially after COVID um, uh, alongside of with the, the political changes that have happened recently. And yes. um, I want to focus in on the sexism that we live with, but not the sexism that comes from uh, male to female sexism, internal female to female sexism and how we, have a hard time being supported sometimes by other women to succeed, right? So we're going to get into all of that. So, you know, it's okay if we kind of meander with the conversation, because I really want this to be natural, just like you becoming successful was very much of a natural progression for you. Yeah, it was completely. Um, I'm here for a reason. And, and this, what I do is that reason. I, I, I'm very honored to wake up every day and know that I am doing exactly what I'm put here to do for this moment. Now it may change in the future, life changes, things come in phases, but for right now, I'm, I'm doing just that. And I know what it was we were talking about, we were talking about the hurdles, you know, just gaining trust of people uh, in the industry and getting people to look your way and getting the trust of women out there who have spent years in terror uh, years in trauma, years in so much stuff. They've gone through divorces, money losses, you know, children. They're, they, they've faced death multiple times. Um, so they're terrified. But it is a closing in chapter for them when they get to me. And as far as the mental health awareness, when I um, started getting good <clears throat> with the mastectomies and really gaining clientele, um, when I thought, this is it, I've made it. I'm doing exactly what I was put here to do. I, I've, I've reached my success point. And then one day I had a cutter walk in and say, you know what? I'm seeing what you're doing with all these scars with boobs. I was hoping maybe you could help me because years and years ago I had this issue. Now people look down upon me and I thought, oh my God, I had no idea that this was an issue. So I started chasing that road and that opened up a whole new window on um, the mental health awareness side. And that is a, uh, that is coming up to be a good percentage of the studio's business as well. And, and even then, when I thought I had made it then, I thought, this is it. You know, I, I've reached all I could do with my career. And then one day a transgender walked in my door and it blew open yet a whole nother avenue. So I don't know what's up with my career in the future. I'm very excited for whatever it has to deliver to me. Yeah, you know, and, and you're, you're being, you're being, um, there's something rattling in the background there. I'm not quite sure if it's an earpiece or something's rubbing up against the phone. 
Uh, I am walking around, so I could be yeah. still. Yeah, that would be good. Okay. <laughs> Keeping it busy, right? <laughs> I'm always on the go. <laughs> yeah. So as we sit with each other and be present to this conversation, because this this is going to go out worldwide, this this mm-hmm. network that we have is is vast. And I don't know if you know this about myself, but I um, have developed programs to help women and men uh, overcome anxiety and depression that manifests from uh, trauma and abusive relationships. And I've had the pleasure of helping people uh, overcome what they thought they would never be able to overcome from various levels of abuse, right? So um, body art and movement, being in the body, being present to oneself and the art on the body is so incredibly important that when people are in trauma, they, they literally can sometimes stop taking care of themselves. And the work that you do shifts that physiologically in that you're printing something on the body that is, it's not going to go away. Every single moment of every single day, these women are going to look in the mirror and see something gorgeous as an ultimate transformation of something that was traumatic for them. And it's really clear that you have... um, you have business skills, you have um, steadfast mind, right? They're a very smart woman. But I also hear something like mystical in there. Can you touch on that? Um, so through everything, I, I, you know, I rely a lot. I call myself a spiritualist. And uh, I believe in all religions have something to provide for everyone's life and each person is different and what it is that they're supposed to take from that. And so I I really have a long background of looking at and studying, you know, uh, different religions or seeing what applies. And I I find the beauty in just it being mystical in and of itself. So I listened to life signs and I followed that, those signs and those little cues that it gives you I call it the wind sometimes on three occasions it's been an audible voice and um, it has moved me out of this country it's moved me back in this country it's moved me into tattooing and I mean it it has done so many things so I think that is the mystical side even when we opened metamorphosis inc like I relied on the spirits to guide me in what to name it we had a list and every step of the journey has been verified to my spirits personally in my guiding lights to make sure that the steps were that I were putting in place were correct. Um, so maybe that's what you're picking up on. Yeah, I hear it as an undercurrent for sure. And what I would like to know is, can you share with our listeners some of the accomplishments that you've accomplished, awards, um, literature, being put in magazines, any kind of accomplishments that you've accomplished thus far? Um, that's getting to be quite a long list. Thank God. Uh, My journey has definitely paid off. Um, I've been featured on channel nine nationwide for breast cancer, um, awareness month. I got like a two or three minute skit on that. And I started getting calls from all over the place. I've been featured on channel 10 for mental health awareness and using cutters. And, uh, I've been on channel 13 for one of my clients actually went pro football. So the, I was on Spectrum Sports. I've been featured in probably five different magazines with two-page spreads. 
Um, this is maybe my fifth or sixth podcast interview, I would think. Um, I have some first place trophies. I got some second place trophies, um, awards for my tattoos and tattoo competitions. I have been on the radio and uh, I've spoken for uh, Florida Hospital for women's groups. I've spoken for the city of Dunedin, the Rotary Club. Um, I was featured in the museum here for an exhibit that lasted, I think it was nine months, called Jagged Lines, The History of Tattooing in America. Um, it's, been, it's been all over the place. Yeah, so it's, it's been a great career. I think, I think I'm gonna say that's probably it. I have been interviewed by three major television companies but I did not have enough drama in my studio and I right. would not create it because art right. is very uh, surrounding oriented, how the, the outcome of that. And um, so I, I did step away from that. But um, so I guess that's about it. You know, now I own my studio. This is my second studio to own. My first one was in Tennessee, mm -hmm. um, but it was intended for me to move here. And again, that was an audible voice on that round to get me here to Florida, just following, yeah. following the wind. Okay. And I also understand that you do animal rescue as well, that you run somewhat of an animal rescue sanctuary on the side. Yes, I do rescue release uh, for critters. So a lot of tree cutters and stuff have my phone number, but um, any, any critter, I can rehab them right out of the egg or just birth to to get them up and going. I don't keep any of them. I do work with a couple of rescue companies locally. So if they're injured or to the point that I can't get them back into the wild, then I, I turn them over. And then I also understand that you have also been learning dance for some time as well. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, years ago, I started out as a young buck. I was always a dancer, you know, hit, get the teenage years, you hit the clubs dancing. Uh, in my little bit of my latter years, I started taking belly dance and I loved that. I got into some of the local groups and local clubs. And, but then when I moved to Florida, all of that went to the wayside. And so I've been down here for seven years now and didn't know anybody. And it's not really as prevalent here as even as it is in Nashville. And uh, started looking for some teachers and eventually my second one became you. <laughs> and it's That's been right. awesome. You're a phenomenal teacher. If anybody's listening, she's great. Absolutely great. I so, love teaching dance. <laughs> I love dancing and you kick yeah. my ass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, can you also tell us um, about your preference in relationship? Because I feel like that's going to be a part of this interview that is really important to, to communicate about. Uh, you mean partner-wise? I'm yes. married. I have a wife. Yes. Um, I'm a, like, I'm what you call a lifetime gayer. <laughs> I've been gay my entire life and uh, come up through society, especially in the country where none of that was even accepted. You know, I can remember having things thrown at me or spit flung at me. And my wife has marched down streets where they had feces thrown at them and oh my stuff God. like that. You know, I, I can't tell you the bereavement from men and things that have happened over the years, but still to this day, I'm a very strong lesbian woman. I do support the gay community. That being said, I'm not anti-male uh, and I'm not anti-straight either. I think we all need to come to a world where we accept each other for who we are. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy that we have to say that, right? 
mm-hmm. that we would even it's, have to put that there. You know, it's even something that still to this day, you know, I, I until I would say this past year in my career, I never talked about my sexual preference, especially back in Tennessee for the first six years of my career. I could yeah. not let that come into play because that's such a judgmental topic. Yeah. Um, especially in the Bible Belt, you know. So I worked for many years chasing a dream where I really had to hide a majority of myself um, and and kind of cater to the other side just to get to success. And one of the things that I loved about your shop when I walked in is you had this big placard board that said there's that sound again. It's like something is rattling there. There was a big placard board that said gay agenda. (laughs) (laughs) That's Kaiser. He's one of my artists. He, he brought that in and it's just one of those things, you know, we've really become the studio that we wanted to make it gay friendly, trans friendly, the community of the younger generation coming up today you know, with all the pronouns and stuff involved that like we faced, like I faced just as simply being a lesbian, you know, 15 and 20 years ago, where you had the backlash of people, they today, because they're shifting into a different genre, I guess, if you will, they're receiving the backlash of people. So it was really important to me. I have a trans artist. I have a straight artist. I'm a gay artist. So we're all over the place. And, um, um, I wanted to make that space where everyone could come and have the same experience, regardless of who you are. And we've yes. been very good at that. Yes, you have. It's a very beautiful space. And also another interesting thing about your, your art is this, that you guys have done, um, you've been recognized because you've done enough research and study on um on different skin colors and how they hold ink and how they hold tattoos. Can you tell us about that as well? Um, Well, that takes a real eye to be able to match tones because skin doesn't matter what color you are, not one color, you know, it's a, it's a multitude of colors put together for the illusion of one color from a distance. And when you're working with skin tissue, whether you're doing camouflage work or you're trying to recreate like three-dimensional areolas and make it look as real as possible, um, I I feel that takes years to really accomplish. Um, It took me years to accomplish and in studying, you know, skin tones. My flesh lines that I use on women, I bet I have 30 to 40 different skin tone colors and I use a minimum of five to six in creating one areola and nipple. And um, how I found you is I was referred to by a, fr- a, a student of mine who is in, in, because I'm a priestess who teaches people to do psychic readings and then to develop their spiritual gifts and mediumship skills to help them become aligned and on their path. Um, mm-hmm. I work with women to help them become strong enough to walk their path. And then I help them be guided by spirit so that they have the strength to be who they really are. Um, we also did an interview with her. It was a very beautiful interview. She's uh, Adrian. Her um, background is that she's from the South, but she's African-American. And so she was looking for someone who could tattoo her darker skin tone. And that's mm-hmm. how I found out about you. And I think that's very 
powerful because a lot of times people don't have access to getting great tattoos with darker skin tone. Yeah, they don't. It's, um, you know, in the world of tattooers, we have a, we have a saying that um, you've got uh, of the entire community of the tattoo industry, I'm going to say you have 85% tattooers, which are people that just trace and copy what everyone else is doing. And then you have about 15% that are real artists um, that have the eye. So if you take that 15% and you divide it across the nation, you know, the number gets slim. Now we're definitely coming up in numbers today with, with more real artists being put into the industry. But unfortunately those artists seem to kind of want to be going in one direction with their own art style. And I'm, I'm finding very few artists now branching off into other areas. Um, but I'm starting, I, I did sign a deal with reinventing the tattoo. I've been a tattoo educator now for the last six years and I go and I teach seminars on how to tattoo and I do extended courses for skin scars specifically and education in that. And then I do a whole nother course for color and color blending and, and whatnot. And I'm getting ready to go and launch my first nationwide course that will be live on September 19th. Um, so I'm trying to to slowly pull more people in to what okay. I do to get them to understand that, you know, this is a need. Mm -hmm. Please help. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just it's just an, it's an amazing world you're creating and um, to have that kind of soul that knows that there's a mission and then and then just just totally goes for it is is just so inspiring. And I'm sure there's a lot of sacrifices and hardships that you've overcome and been through to get to where you were at. Is there one that you're comfortable sharing with us or something that pops up as I ask you that question? Uh, again, just being real and honest, because the purpose of this is to be real so that we can inspire people that might be going through the same stuff that we tend to keep hidden because we only put out the accomplishments often. We talk about the success, but not so much the back end, which is you know, in business is 90% of it. Yes. Um, yeah. The business is 90% of it. And there's, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it from, you know, just putting out, you know, maintaining websites and building a business. The, the messaging alone, messaging alone takes two to three hours every day for the amount of people that we get to call in for myself or one of my other artists in the studio a day. And it's a lot, um, that by itself can kill us. So we've, we've had to really team up and, and make sure that we're all on board going through those accounts on a regular basis, just to stay on top of it. Um, there is, you know, the editing and the postings and multiple accounts that you have to be on these days. to to reach your people and then there's draw time. You know, I'm scheduled to tattoo eight hours a day. Where does the draw time come from? I'm up sometimes by six o'clock in the morning at my drafting mm -hmm. board, you know, getting myself prepared for whatever piece is coming in. And, you know, as the years have gone on, the pieces get bigger and more elaborate. And, you know, the more you put out, the more that come in. So it's a, it's a constant, if you're, if you're in the tattoo world, it's a lifestyle. It's not a job. It's a lifestyle because, you're going to tattoo 20 hours out of every day in some fashion. You're doing something for the, for the industry, but the back end is, 
is a very big deal. If you don't have the back end, you don't have the tattoo world. I'll tell you that you don't have success. You can't have one without the other. Yeah, absolutely. And is there any personal experiences that you've gone through that were like difficult that kind of changed the direction that you were going in that you had to overcome that you could share with us like a personal story? Yeah, here recently has actually been one. Um, I have chased my, <clears throat> excuse me, I've chased my dream for so long. Uh, I, I, I personally come from really nothing. Uh, most of my family is very poor. And uh, they're all still out in the sticks in the country where they'll never leave. But I always had like a light in me that said there's something more, you know, to be bigger and greater and grander out there. And um, give me your question one more time because I just absolutely. That. Yeah. Can you can you share with us like a story of a hardship that was difficult to overcome? Uh, what it yeah, was so could... and how you overcame it and what you know, how it changed the direction of things for you. So having come from that, uh, not having anything, when I started gaining a little bit of success, I couldn't run fast enough for it. I couldn't agree to do enough. Um, and I have a real bad habit and commitments to people when I don't have it. And, and that takes away from most of my career that was okay. But now that I decided to get married four years ago, I all of a sudden want to have a life outside of the tattoo industry. <laughs> And that gets hard to do. So here recently, um, I had two major deals in play. I had two offers on the table. And uh, one of them was one that could actually take me internationally. And uh, I turned it down. It was the first time of my career I've said, no, it's very hard. But it's been causing issues with my personal life. And, you know, I've sat in the chair for so long, I'm starting to have some health problems. And uh, so life is really trying to get me to slow down and, and I turned down an international deal. I didn't think I would. I was excited though when I did, when I did it, it felt good. It felt like, you know, I finally made it to a point that I can actually say no to something. And what kind of grit did that take for you to say no to that in honor of being able to have more time with your wife and to, you know, have some good time taking care of your body? What kind of grit did it take for you to do that? Um, <laughs> it took a lot. It took grit, but saying no with clenched teeth. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't quite pronounce the N on it, but I got the O part out. <laughs> um, it does. It takes that. It's, it's a fear because you think, I, I guess I always have this fear that, things are going to stop or they're going to come to an end or to, you know, I don't know. As confident and as successful as I am, I can be very insecure about things inside. Uh, it's hard to believe sometimes that I've even earned the right to be where I'm at today. I never in a million years would have expected to be where I'm at given what I come from. And it's just, it, it took everything to say no. It took acceptance. And I think that's grit in a woman. You got to be able to accept who you are and where you are and be confident with that enough to be able to dictate where you can and can't go in the future. And I, I finally was able to say no to something. I literally have never said no to a single opportunity in my career ever. So 
it was a struggle, but it felt good. Um, yeah. And it took, it took a belief in myself to say, I don't need that. I'm getting there, but I don't need it now. Where I'm at right now is where I need to be. But that was, it was going to be like jumping the pond without crossing the bridge. Yeah, I totally get that. And then the uh, the other thing that I hear too is the the honoring of the mutable nature of the physical body. You know, your physical body need needs time with your wife and time like relaxing and time not driving and focusing and and working. Yeah. And to have that kind of work-life balance, I think for successful females is a difficult thing to get to. It's so much easier said than done because especially for those of us that do come from backgrounds where we didn't have that kind of support, where we made our own dreams, you made your own dream, you made your own vision, you had to work those long hours in order to make it all happen. And the fear is, is that if you settle for a minute that you're going to drop the ball on everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I felt like I would be dropping the ball on something uh, yeah. by doing that. Yeah. And I don't think that um, men have that same experience in their career paths, the same way that women CEOs do, um, because our bodies are different than men's bodies work differently. Our hormones are different. The way that we need movement is different. Uh, the nutrients we need is different. So we, we have a we have to have a certain strength inside of us to pull back and to say no. It is so much easier to say yes and to keep driving and driving and working and working and working, but there's a cost to that at the end of the day. And for a lot of us, it's physical, right? For a lot of us, mm. it's the relationship then suffers, which is just so, so sad, right? Because that's a whole part of life is love and romance and intimacy is something that's built, not there, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So how did that affect your finances to say no to that job? Um, you know, with what I do, I, I make good money. And uh, it's, it's not where I want to be. Uh, so I'm always st still striving, you know, to get to a, a higher place. And I'm shifting my it, I don't know how it would have affected my money. I know it would have affected it on a grander scale if I had gone international and the deal that was coming through panned out the way they said it was going to with all the promises that were being put in place. And it would have really, it probably would have hopefully doubled my income. But I was smart enough to know that I'm not quite ready. Mm -hmm. You know, and when I sit back and really analyze it, what is more important? Is it the money? Or is it my health and my mental security? Because that deal would have required yet more time that I don't have. Something else would have had to been sacrificed in order to make this happen. Although this is where I want to end up. Um, it would have killed me to jump that and not take one step at a time. And I feel that was life testing me in all honesty. Yeah. Because I, I had the one deal that I had waited 10 years to have one conversation with a man that can make a difference in my tattoo education career 
10 years I have waited to have that conversation with this man. And then the moment I had that conversation, this second deal popped into the picture. And the funny thing was, was the second one was going to be in the get me where I wanted to be with the first one, but it was going to be a fast track. And it was going to be with people I didn't know and I haven't followed. So it became like, okay, I could do both, but I didn't feel like both was right because I couldn't have prepared for both. You know what I mean? Like it's so much time consuming on the back and I couldn't have prepared. I've got 22 page books, courses to write, hours of videos to edit and document. I mean, it's insane. And to be able to do both would have been impossible without affecting my finances in a negative way right now. I agree. I agree. So I really I agree. think life was testing me on that to see if I was going to take the shortcut for a minute still to take it one step at a time. And I said, you know what? I'm still in it to take it one step at a time. Yeah. And that commitment to, to stick with the, the long haul rather than to go the short path is something that I feel like there's just so much value in what you just said for people like, um, especially today, a lot of people feel like they're going to, and they, they make this assumption actually is what I've noticed about a lot of people that are coming up in business. Um, and of course I'm not in the tattoo industry. I'm in the psychic and spirituality industry. I'm in a, I'm a spirit worker. I work, I work spiritual courses for people. I, I have made all of those programs by myself from scratch online programs, manuals, like I, I get the whole thing, right? I've mm -hmm. written books. So when people come in, when my clients come in and they're starting their own businesses, they're coming to me for coaching or counseling around having a spiritual perspective in starting their businesses. What I've noticed is, is that there's this very, very strange belief and it's new. It's something within the fast five or 10 years that you should become successful fast. And people expect that they're going to come in and they're going to make their dreams come true immediately. And that's probably because that's what they get advertised from all sorts of companies and all sorts of coaching industries promise that you can get successful fast and that if you're doing the right thing, you're going to become successful rapidly. But that doesn't happen for anybody. You put the time in and you make yourself successful and if you follow the guidance of your higher self and keep grounded and committed to what your, your mission is, each step of the way, it's like a building blocks that build you there. Well, I think that's beautiful. You know, stay committed to, to your path and because and, and that's hard to do along that path of me staying committed and listening to that little voice and following the spirit guides. I'd have a slew of people, the closest ones around me telling me something different, you know, well, they oh, didn't absolutely. think it should be this and they didn't think it should be that, you know, and all of a sudden you're faced with following what you feel you're led to do or satisfying the people around you that you see on a daily basis. And that is a massive sacrifice you have to make. And if you don't do it, you won't, you won't get there. No. And then there's, there's, then there's, there's loss of energy, there's fatigue, there's sleepless nights, there's, there's health issues that arise from being slightly, even slightly off of where you're mm. supposed to be. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and we absorb, right. Cause we were, you're, you're a tattoo artist, but you're a healer. 
right? So you're healing these women, you're healing these people, you're touching their body, you're giving them an environment to be inside of. And we can absorb little pieces of their pain throughout time. And that can affect us every once in a while. We do need a, a bit of a reprieve to clear ourselves of anything that we might have had attached to us throughout the years. But there's been a few women that have put me in therapy. Uh, here's something to note as well, because of what I do and the people that I work with, not all of them are surviving. Some of them are just choosing to die beautifully that they are so affected by the scars that they live with that they just choose to die beautifully. And when you're working on pieces that take 20, 30, 40 hours of time, sometimes you spend a lot of time with that person. And I got all yeah. day to listen to their story. And it's a, it's a heavy, heavy weight because it makes me question my own life on a regular basis. You know, yeah. it makes me question death. It makes me question being legitimate to people and I don't know, it just puts such a, a whole new spin. So it, it really can have an effect on yourself mentally, just the same as it does physically. Yes, yes. And, and, and the mental is easy to observe and to notice when you're feeling off mentally. Um, but sometimes we accrue the energy physically. It's like little grains of sand. We don't mm -hmm. see it. We don't see it. For, it could go for 12 years and not notice that it's just little grains of sand. But once that tipping point tips over, then all of a sudden we have physical ailments that mock or represent what we've been touching for 10 years, right? Yeah. And so in that, usually someone as successful as you has somebody that they can go to that helps them clear that, that helps them be protected, that keeps them safe, that keeps them strong enough to do what they do. And it's hard to find those people just as much as it's hard to find someone like you, right? Yeah, and so I think there's, it takes more than one. It doesn't yeah. just take one person. It takes a community, really. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, and we can go down that track because I'm sure your wife is like an amazing support for you. And I'm sure your, your colleagues are supportive. And, then, you know, you have therapists. There's all these people that support you in there. Mm -hmm. um, but what I'm getting at with this is, is that I remember you sharing with me um, I wanted to ask you about like, like a loss, something that you had that you failed at or something that you lost without expecting it. But I kind of want to uh, point it towards this story that you were telling me that was so fascinating about that you were being guided to go do something that you, and you weren't really necessarily willing to listen and a bolt of lightning hit <laughs> you. <laughs> like literally yeah <laughs> well yeah lightning's tried to get me twice um and then uh yeah i've i've actually had the the, the bolt where it was life-changing on three different occasions um the first one was when right before i started my tattoo career the second one was in closing my first studio and the third one was in moving to florida um those three incidents all required that I sold everything that I owned, that I left what I could behind, and I chased a dream that I couldn't see the outcome all three times. And each time I did it, the outcome was greater to the point where I, when I finally moved to Florida, it became almost comical. 
Uh, I can't wait to see what life has to hold for me now. Um, and my when gift the bolt color... of lightning hit your, your building and it actually like sparked a whole explosion in your building, you knew what that meant? I did. And that particular time, it was not good. Um, I, I ended up giving up my first studio. And just to be real honest, folks, uh, you know, I lost that. I honestly feel that was not a failure, but a failure. Everything happens as it should. At that moment in time, I was having an affair. And I knew life had been talking to me that I needed to end all of that. It was so clear with the signs. I would drive down the road and there would be a car in front of me and the whole back window was lettered and it said www.enditnow.com. <laughs> and I'm like, God, can you get any more clear? But I wouldn't listen. And that happened. And I think that was, that was the spark to really say, bitch, if you don't fucking listen, <laughs> we're going to burn your house down or something. Um, so that time wasn't necessarily good. But it has happened in a good way. And, you know, things, whether it was the voice or the bolt of lightning, they're, they're very memorable, very yeah. pivotal in my life, each one okay. of them. But you do understand that most people don't receive a bolt of lightning in order to wake uh, them up. I'm very blessed and I'm very gifted. Yeah. I feel that I am favored um, and yes. in my life because of the times I should have died, honestly, that didn't happen. I mean, fucking miracles have happened in my life and I'm an eyewitness to, to every bit of it. And sometimes other people, I know I am destined to be here for a reason. I'm one of the very rare people that can say I'm absolutely supposed to be here and I'm absolutely operating in what I'm supposed to be doing. In, in my tradition, we have a, um, a reverence for lightning and all sorts of pieces of nature. But it's not uncommon for somebody who's supposed to be doing spiritual work for others and is being held back either by a relationship or maybe their integrity is maybe they're just not doing everything that they should be doing. And it's common that the house will get or, or the car or the person will get hit with mm -hmm. lightning. And the lightning is like it. The power of lightning is an interesting force because it actually generates life, right? When a bolt of lightning mm -hmm. hits the ground, it actually imbues the ground with new life force in a way that nothing else does. And so when you get hit by a bolt of lightning or your house gets hit by a bolt of lightning, it is the ending of something and the beginning of something. And I just really appreciate you telling that story because people hide these things, think, you know, that lightning hit you and you might have thought of it as, as bad, but it was good. Because it said, like, wake up, like, you're important, you matter. It did. Um, it absolutely did. You know, and it's those little clues right there that I think most people turn a blind eye to. The thing I find with society is if you don't, a lot of people don't want to look for those signs. And they don't want to listen to, to the meaning behind them like that. Because then they would have to do something. And that two-letter word, do is a real struggle for a majority of individuals, especially mm -hmm. on a personal level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so and I'm, to do with purpose. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm glad that I 
chose to listen and I, I chose to take that as a sign. And you're, I've never heard it said like you just put it where it's an ending and then a beginning of something because it truly was an ending. I yeah. never saw that as an ending and a beginning. Um, I saw it as it trying to get me to pay attention to do something different, which I did. But that that's beautiful how you said that because it truly oh, did lead you. to a new beginning. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, because it imbues you with new life force. Like it literally takes something away and gives you something new. Before I moved to um, to Florida, I was living in New Jersey and it was not a good place for me to live because I'm happy and I like to have fun and I'm uh, successful and I like to work. And people in New Jersey, like they're very much, they have their same jobs, you know, since they're like 19 or whatever. They don't change. They don't make change. They're very stuck in their ways right mm -hmm. so it was mm -hmm. the wrong environment for me to be in and i had actually moved there uh, because i had my my child and i needed to live somewhere that was affordable basically um and i didn't know anybody anywhere else i knew somebody in new jersey so i went there to you know raise my child and then i didn't want to be there anymore but i was afraid to move again with my daughter and a bolt of lightning the size of my house it was very not okay <laughs> I was sitting outside I was sitting outside in this I mean I, I saw it with my eyes this thing was like as big as my entire row house and it hit the ground right in the yard next to me and it was so loud and so bright and so electric my hair stood on end um and the whole sky went green and then uh, like bright fluorescent green and then a circle of a rainbow that looked like an egg formed in the sky, like a rainbow fucking circle, like an egg. And inside mm -hmm. of the circle was a lightning storm, like as if it was an egg being cracked. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to move. Yeah, it was very interesting, but and it means everything, right? It and does. It does. If and you I, hang I, on to it. Oh yeah, that was un un. It, there's no way that's ever going away. And it got me to move to Florida without the fear of being judged for moving my child and all this kind of crap, right? And you know, but that's my baby, so I can make those choices. And that was unexpected for me to be able to move. It was a random thing that happened. That lightning bolt was very, I mean, I would have never have had imagined that. And now I have experiences after that with rainbows. Like they come, rainbows come everywhere. I love rainbows now. And one came into my yard the other day, like ended in my tree. Like I could see it ending in my tree, like an actual rainbow right there and these are some unexpected things that shift and change the quality of our life right can you yeah. share with us something totally unexpected and random that either was an encounter with nature with spirit or another person that kind of changed the direction for you i can give you a rainbow story um Yes. So one day, uh, uh, let me, God, there's so much. Let me back up a little bit. I was at a point in life that um, I had run into some trouble and uh, I needed to do something and do it fast. I was facing some charges. I couldn't get a job. 
And I'm sitting at the table crying one day and I'm like, what do I do, what do I do? And a voice spoke and it said, open a painting business. And I was like, I don't even own a paintbrush. That's a really dumb idea. And this was the first time an audible voice spoke to me. And uh, a week later, same thing, a little bit louder, open a painting business. Third week, beating on the table, crying my eyes out. And it legitimately screamed as if you were standing right next to me to open a painting business. And the third time it did that, I said, you know what? I think I need to open a painting business. So I went to somebody and I spoke those words and they're like, that's a dumb idea. You don't even own a paintbrush. And I said, I know, I know, but just think about it. Because for some reason that voice, I don't know, the voice, I had confidence in that voice for some, I didn't have anything else going for me. What the hell, chase the voice. So I, I ended up starting a company that was called Creative Creatures and, um, <clears throat> a lot of miracles and getting that open and making it happen. But fast forward down the line, I'm going to bid a job one day and I see a rainbow in the sky and it literally began to move. And I was in mid conversation um, with my business partner. We were going to this job together about chasing, moving to the Dominican Republic. It had been a dream for years. Um, I'd gone down there every year. I spent some time. I wanted to work with the women and children on the island and because uh, it's still a very third world country and in, in and for whatever reason when that rainbow began to move and I come around the corner I went literally right through the end of it and I had a big black suburban I was driving and I remember looking at my hands and it was like time just stood still like I don't yep. know how much time I was there um, but I was looking at my hands in my car and it was like every color everywhere at the same time, as if I was yep. in a kaleidoscope, it was the most gorgeous thing. That moment, I have always staked claim that that is my gift of color and tattooing. That's where I got it right there. The rainbow's at me. <laughs> it's not something I learned. It's the rainbow. And um, so that was one gift. But I took that sign as maybe it's time to chase this dream and moving to the Dominican. Well, this was in 2006, right when the housing market crashed. Well, I owned a home in five acres out in the country. And I said, well, if it's meant to be, I've got to sell my house. I stopped on the way home that evening and I bought a for sale by owner. And I went home and I stuck it in my front yard and I had a cash buyer within 24 hours. That person had to sell their house. It was contingent on the sale of their home. They didn't believe in anything. I said, listen, I believe so much in this dream. Let me share my story. And I did. And I said, do me a favor. Just believe one time. Go home and put a for sale by owner in your yard. I don't know where these words came from out of my mouth or what even made me believe that this was going to, you know, come to something other than the rainbow. I believed in that rainbow. And just like I believed in that audible voice a year prior. And I said, no, you've got to do this. So they went home. They put a for sale by owner in their front yard. <laughs> and they had a cash buyer within 24 hours. And I said, this, I, I hands down knew I opened up my home to an estate sale. I sold everything I owned. What didn't sell, I put in a storage and I left this country on a one-way ticket. And I got down there and I ran out of money. <laughs> and when I ran out of money, I was running out of money. I had just enough to get me home. And I had just enough shit left over from that didn't sell to set up a one-bedroom apartment. And the voice said, it's time to go home. And I said, are you, are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me for real? Like I just uprooted my entire life and left this country. And now you're going to tell me it's time to go home. And it said, yes. I was like, and gosh, darn it. 
when, so when you were, yeah, so you did, you, that, that's just like an amazing, beautiful story. And I have so much to share with you about everything you just said. Well, well, let me just say on that note, when I came home, I fell off the wagon. I went downhill. I started using drugs and drinking again. Like I had lost everything. I felt like the spirits had let me down and I had chased a dream to the point that I had nothing left. And that was it for me. I was just supposed to go back home and be what I was all along. And it's a funny thing. I got so upset in that journey. I ended up moving back to a town I didn't want to be with the people I didn't want to be around doing the thing I didn't want to do. And I got pissed one day and I said, fuck this. I am going to go get a tattoo. And I walked into a studio and there sat a man that had been my main tattoo artist 12 years prior who offered me an apprenticeship. And he said to me, oh my God, I haven't seen you in over a decade. I was like, gosh darn, you know, I hadn't seen you either. And within two weeks, he offered me an apprenticeship that launched my tattoo career. So I felt that was imperative to give the end of that story. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's what got you to where you're at. That was the start. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it was the start of getting here. Every day is a journey to keeping, you know, getting to where I'm at. But yeah, it is. It, it literally had to happen that way. I laugh now and say, well, I had to move out of the country, you know, you know, go all over the place in order to just move right up the street to land and doing what it was I was supposed to have been doing all along. I turned it down when I was 18. And what was the apprenticeship like for you? Oh, it's terrible. He was a crackhead. <laughs> Yeah. It was the most god awful thing. Fortunately, yeah. I had contracted him when at the time I come into the tattoo industry of all licensed artists in the nation, less than 3% were female. I couldn't get a job anywhere after that because we were competition. If a man comes into a shop and there's a beautiful woman, he's going to want the pretty woman, and if a female comes into the shop, she's going to want the woman because she feels comfortable. And I went through an apprenticeship that I actually ended up having to cut short. But fortunately, I had a health inspector that agreed to sign off on me early in silence um, because he knew how my boss was and stuff. He was closing the studio nine months into my apprenticeship. Okay. I could go on and on. The story is miraculous from there. But uh, that, that's how that part ended with, with my apprenticeship. I ended up opening my first studio nine months after I started. Wow. That's, that's, it's all a miracle. It's all a miracle, baby. I'm telling you, I started claiming six months into my apprenticeship. I was going to open a studio. People would be like, where? I have no idea. When? I don't know. But I'm thinking it's going to be the first of April next year. And uh, I claimed this and claimed this and claimed this until people started showing up in my life that said, hey, I want to be a part of that. Hey, what can I do to help? Here, let me give you some money. Here, I've got cabinets. I've got counters. I've got computers. I've got fucking stereo system. And I'm like, oh my God, if I'm not on the right path, I, I would shoot myself today. And lo and behold, good Friday, April 2nd, uh, I opened Red Tattoo Parlor. And it was the first all-female studio in Tennessee. And within two years, I was in the top three of Nashville and the first page of Google. Oh, that's a fabulous story. I have a question. What were you, what did you do in DR when you were down there? Um, well, at first I thought I'll get me a job to help start making some money. The very first thing I did was, was start working with a very poor, very poor local community. 
So I started going and meeting with their women and children and their church and stuff like that. And um, just seeing what I, what needed to be established because there's so much poverty down there that we see as Americans. Now the life transformation in that was when I left, I left with a whole different feeling of, of what I thought it was versus what it actually was. And um, so I got me a job at a spa. I spoke fluent English. So I was going to be the top paid person there. And that was $250 a month. Yep. I don't know how these women and children live or even or have the opportunity to earn anything to do anything different because we've got Americans down there running these five-star resorts yeah, and they're paying their staff $250 a month. My rent was 400. Yeah. So I don't know. They, they live in groups. They live in, this is why families have to live together because mm-hmm. it, it's almost impossible. Um, they can't get passports and visas out because it's thousands and thousands of dollars. They'll never have the opportunity to make. Uh, it, it's very backwards. So that was my pivotal thing. I wanted to go work with giving women and children education and dreams and an opportunity to cultivate something different in their life, to use it for their own local status or something. I, I had a vision of going on into the mountain of Harabakoa and uh, start and opening like a, a retreat for them up in the mountains, not down on the beach end area, but a retreat where they could come, they could heal. Uh, they come out of a lot of domestic relationships, multiple children, fathers that are missing, abuse. And I wanted them to know they weren't alone. And there were women that were willing to work with them in that. And uh, I gave it all in trying to make that a go. But it wasn't where I was supposed to be today. It was then, but it's not now. <laughs> and, well, what, you know, what happened, know. what happened, um, which you, you know, somewhere in there is, is that the, the rainbow opened up the power that you have with color and your path. And then you had to go to the source. You had to go to the Dominican Republic to connect with your spirit, which you did. And then you brought that back. And then you, you became the tattoo artist that you are supposed to be. And you are helping women now in a different way through the colors. But that whole cycle had to take place. And there's lots of points about everything you said in the story that we have in our stories that we'll share. I'll share with you sometime after the interview. Um, because there are sacred and secret terminologies that we use that we can't discuss with certain people outside of sacred spaces. And you hit on many of them. And I'm excited to share that with you. Um, One thing that I can say is, is that there is a, a real reality to the, to the terminology, the serpent and the rainbow. And what that means is the magic between earth and the magic between light and water. So what that represents is earth being consciousness and light and water being energy and spirit. And there's a triad that has to be met in order for someone to be on their path. And that took place for you. And you were out there trying to do something. And this actually segues straight into this next question that I have for you, which is that you did that. You came back. You felt like it was a, a failure, right? You went into depression. You drank. You felt like you failed. 
you felt like you sold all your house, your money for nothing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure there was tons of friendship problems and, you know, being judged by people, which a lot of times we don't discuss those things <laughs> when we're following our dream. Um, that feeling that you, so you did everything you were guided to do. Now you and I are having this conversation years later, I can explain to you everything that happened and why specifically based on ancient teachings from the Dominican Republic, which is where you were guided. And it's so exciting for me to hear people having these kind of stories. So this is a great thing that happened to you, but you felt like it was this bad choice, which is how so many people feel often and there's a hidden sexism about that that makes that's had you feel like you failed can you work with me right now to kind of identify what that is and it's so much more for people that are listening because you worked through it already but these things are hidden they're they're in the psychology of of a, of being a female artist, being a business owner, and being someone who loves, who wants to heal, who wants to help others. Often, we get left feeling like we fucked up. And there's something in there that's a hidden, pervasive sexism. Yeah, I think the one thing that I did leave behind uh, when I was there and one thing I you know like I said the the sexism thing I had lived most of my career to that point um, in people not knowing that I was even gay and uh, when I moved to the Dominican Republic I laid down my sexuality a hundred percent because that is something that is not accepted in the Dominican Republic and uh I was not going to go down there and ruin a dream because of my sexual preference. So I put it all down. I said, you know, if, if it's supposed to be different than this, then the way will show itself. But until then, I am simply Lita. You know, there's no, I'm not straight. I'm not gay. I'm not anything. I'm not dating. I'm just Lita. And I, could, I, I wasn't willing to sacrifice the dream uh, for that. It was not easy. Um, I think if I had stayed any longer, it definitely would have been an impossibility. But for the duration that I was there, uh, that was one thing that I did do. So that, again, I wasn't shunned for who I was um, naturally. So when I came back from that trip, I came back as a gay woman. I said, I'm tired of hiding myself. Um, I'm tired of the, the fight to fit everyone else's shoe an idea of what I should be. And from this point forward, I'm just going to do it for my, my, myself. And, and that's what happened. I started doing it for myself. Um, that's, that's, I guess, the one thing. When I got into tattooing, as I said, when I moved back from the Dominican, I was in a studio of all men. Uh, so that was a big thing. I literally had to witness, you know, girls coming in and the guys <sighs> needing a help quote unquote, because they wanted their buddy to see her tits or her ass or whatever the case may be. And, uh, you know, you had to turn, I had to turn a blind eye to a lot of that if I was going to stay on the journey that I felt that was destined for me to be on. Um, And that's sad. You know, today it's a little bit different in the industry. It's different now than it was 15 years ago. Um, We've come a long way, but that portion of it is still there to a large degree. Yeah. And it's not, it's not talked about. 
it's no, like one of those it, things everybody knows it's there everybody knows it's happening but it's not talked. you know it, <laughs> it's not and we've almost become a society where instead of this idea of let's stop sexism and harassment instead you've got to be the person that hardens yourself now you're just you, you're not you're not a strong enough person if you can't just turn a blind eye type thing you know no and, and i and agree like, i agree it's bullshit and in the spiritual world there's this whole bullshit about you know, this white light kind of like that we should all be understanding and okay. And basically what it's saying is we should be strong enough to be weak, basically. <laughs> like, well, yeah. you're not enlightened if you're offended. You're not enlightened if you can't be the loving and understanding of the sexism. You're not enlightened if X, Y, Z. But enlightenment is different for everybody. And who the fuck are you to tell me how to feel, think, and be? It's my body. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, today I see, I see us rising more today, but I got to say Roe versus Wade just shocks shit at me. Um, But I do see women rising on the the forefront and I'm all for a female revolution to take place. (laughs) Yeah. Look at what you know, look at where you've, where you've come from, all you've accomplished, what you've surrendered, what you've given up in honor of the spirit, in honor of your mission. Look at the thousands that probably, I don't even, you probably have counted, have you counted how many women you've tattooed? I have not, but I do estimate that in my tattooing career, I've done over 10,000. And so there's 10,000 women that you've helped and plus all those people that they've touched. Well, not necessarily women in general, just 10,000 tattoos of my career. Uh, I started doing mastectomies, though. I started working with mastectomy. And and let me just say this, too, on a side note. I don't just do women. I also do men. I could do very male-oriented tattoos. And I love throwing those in there from time to time because it's just a mix-up. But... It's so important to say. It's so important to say with your art. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So it's been 10 years that I I started into the the breast cancer side of things. And, you know, today it's breast cancer, breast reductions. um, uh, It's it's breast enlargements. It's transgender top surgery. So it's all over the the place with any type of scarring. But I also uh, noticed that you did do tattoos, too, with people who had scars from other situations as well. Absolutely. Um, we have burn victims. I have uh, one of my interesting cases was a woman who had a severe car accident and was launched through the windshield. So she had like acid splatter scars, you know, kind of down her body. And some of them, the ones like on her face and neck and stuff, we were able to camouflage back to skin tone and give her kind of some normalcy back. Uh, I, I do all kinds of things. Pigmentation loss. Um, uh <laughs> it's surgical scars replacements in the body heart surgeries you know i mean it's just it's everywhere it's anything it's if there's a mark on your body i can cover it with a tattoo (laughs) i'm just you're just such a remarkable person and i just i i I think this interview is like really awesome because you you shared some key things that are really going to help people who do have an obscure dream something maybe they don't even know 100% what it is yet, but they know they're here for something, you know, like that, un, you know, that 
itch that can't get scratched, right? Until you figure it out. And you did everything and you got there and then you committed to it and then you got held back and then you broke through and, you know, been through many different transformations. Um, And then there's the whole, like, it's clear that you're, you're blossoming into a whole new future. I get that with, you know, having had this conversation that there's a whole new future about to come around the corner in about three months for you. Um, Yeah, it's exciting. Um, If there was anything that you would really like to say to our listeners about their own personal sexism towards themselves, where they might be perpetrating their feeling small, feeling unable to make it work, feeling like, you know, they need to be fit into people's uh, beliefs about their lifestyle needs. Like what, what can you say to just kind of get these people continuing to be what they are a hundred percent? The only person that you have to satisfy truly in this world is yourself. You're going to wake up with you every day. You're going to go to bed with you every night. There's not any other person on this earth that is going to have that much time with you than you. So it is the most important that you are satisfied. And it doesn't matter what other people think. If they're not on board with that, they're toxic people in your life and they shouldn't be there in the first place. You know, if they're somebody that you can ultimately maybe change their way of thinking, we have very open conversations about a lot of different topics in our studio that open it up to people that were not like-minded, then that's good. But if if it's a toxic thing that's keeping you from doing ultimately what you want or need to do or chasing a dream, then sayonara to you because you got to wake up with you. You're going to be the first one you see and the last one you see every day. And when you're tattooing people, do you ever call them out on this kind of stuff when you feel like it? Oh, absolutely. And you know, your chair is a missions chair. I, I have the opportunity to minister all kinds of women and men from younger to older. I, my clients range from 18 to mid seventies. And uh, I get women in their seventies first time in the chair, you know, a lot of the older mentality and stuff. And it's, um, it's a beautiful thing to be able to use that. I, I give away books that have changed my life and dreams. Um, there's a real big book. If you have a dream, I want to put this book out here. It's called the dream giver. And it's by Bruce Wilkerson. And it doesn't matter your spiritual context or belief. This book will change your life if you have a dream. It lit the fire under me to believe in something that I couldn't see. And it helped me understand everyone around me and their role in my life. And it's the simplest, most profound book you'll ever read. Um, But I think that, you know, just believing in yourself and... uh, staying the course. So awesome. Thank you so much, Lita. Can you uh, take a moment to shout out where people can find you, um, your links, any anything you want people to know about you? Sure. Um, a real simple way to find me is I recently trademarked boobs and tattoos. So if you go to boobsandtattoos.com, you're going to find me. The studio name is Metamorphosis Inc. Uh, you search that for Dunedin. We're located in Dunedin, Florida. And uh, Metamorphosis Inc. LLC at gmail.com. 
My personal account is artistlita at gmail.com. Online, just just Google search artist Lita. You you'll find you'll find me. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Oh, it's really been a pleasure um, speaking with you today. This is Priestess Shoshana with Temple de la Luna. We are a women's empowerment organization that offers spiritual healing packages, readings, and classes and coursework in spiritual development. Thank you very much, and God is blessed. Thank you. <laughs>